This is July 10th, 2022. Wynn and Terry in Sedona, Arizona. Although Terry is next to me and she is sleeping. And this is our Sunday morning with the Elohim. And usually we do a live conversation with them. But as most of you probably know, Terry has been recovering from something, and uh, she doesn't have the energy to do it. So I prepared something kind of special today, and there's a lot of things in my own personal archives that are not posted on our archive website yet. And I picked a few things out to share. And um, I'm going to play the audios, and I think these are all very interesting. And the first one is... Um, as you know, All participants are muted, and they can unmute themselves. As you all probably know, there was a huge fire a couple of years ago, I don't know, maybe three years ago, in Northern California, and the city of Paradise was 95% destroyed. And Hyes, who has kind of been the, I'll call him the producer, he keeps everything in order, um, mutes people, says it greets people, and he's done it for a number of years. And he did it, he does it because he knows what we do is real. And it's a great service. And he happened to live in paradise. And when that fire was going on, we did, a, I did a small session. I don't think it was, it was not a public session. And asked about the fire and asked them if they could help, help highs who lived there. And I'm going to play that session now. And then Heiz is going to tell you what happened. Now, this is November 8th, 2018. When Ontario and Sedona, do we have our sources present? Yes, this is from us. We experience what is going on with the welfare department. We see much confusion and panic right now in the area and people trying to escape the flames. From your perspective, we never talked about a fire before. Is there anything to be done? 
possible? And fortification to the firefighters um, and protection. protection in the city and to the people that are trying to get mm-hmm. Can the fire bypass Heise's home if it was going to hit it? We cannot give you the data at this time. Well, just keep Heise's home and maybe VBS radio in the field. Yeah. Okay? Okay. And Heise's family are safe in Chico. Yes. That's good. Yes. Okay, anything else on all of this? And fortification to Don and Doug mm-hmm. and his staff and family um, as they may try too hard to see things. Mm-hmm. The poor guys, they work really hard. <laughs> yeah. Um. If you want to, if, if you want to share it, was this fire started artificially? We do not wish to go into that. All right. Well, thank you very much. And that is it. If you notice, they said, you know. I said, can you help Hive? And at the time, he had already evacuated and moved his family and to Chico. And Hive, are you there? Yes, I am. Uh, what happened after that? Well, for me, it wasn't until late the afternoon because I was working in Chico myself on the day when the fire, you know, started, came to paradise. And I saw I was waiting for a, uh, a shutdown at a house, electrical shutdown from the utility company as I was going to change the, uh, the service panel. But they uh, didn't show up from the utility company because of later on I figured they were, you know, running to paradise. And I see this huge dark sky show up. I think, what the heck is going on? It looks like the world is on fire. Then at the same time, my son, he calls me from the high school in paradise. He says, Papa, there is a, uh, a big fire we need to... Uh, he don't know what to do, kind of. And then while I'm talking on the phone to him, the uh, principal goes over the speakers. Everybody go home. We need to, you know, 
So I said, okay, I need to hang up and see if I can get home. And then I lost contact and it wasn't until later in the afternoon that I was able to get in touch with my family. And that was a pretty, uh, was a pretty tough time. So myself, I couldn't go there, of course, because So we'll be coming down the hill from Paradise. And afterward, my son told me that uh, he had gotten a ride home from one of his teachers. And shortly after he was home, my daughter was going to the same high school. Uh, so she got home with a friend who had a car. And they said it, um, it turned pitch dark. So they, they were running through the house, not knowing what the grab was, you know, and couldn't find things they wanted to grab. And uh, they got our two dogs and one of the cats in the car. And then they left there and they were stuck in traffic, of course. They made it to Chico after all. At the same time, my then wife, teacher in paradise, she loaded her car with several children. And she drove through the flames paradise from paradise to Chico. And uh, yeah, like I said, later in the afternoon, we all got together in Chico, and of course the sky was filled with uh, a thick layer of smoke. And when we settled at a house, I think related to one of the school boards, I believe, in Chico, it's in the news that, you know, that Chico was in danger as well, so we had to fight again and find another place. But we all made it. And, you know, for some time you assume your house has burned, but you don't know for sure. Probably took like uh, four weeks or so to find out that our house had survived. It was just uh, a great blessing. And as we were uh, renting at the time, it was for us uh, getting our stuff out and be away from there. So that's, uh, that's about it. Okay. So it took you a month to, to know that your house did not survive. It did survive. Correct. I can't remember exactly if it was three weeks or five weeks, but something in the area. Yeah. Okay. I don't know exactly when we did that session I just played, but it was somewhere 
when time just before the fire. I don't even think I ever played that for you, did I? No, did correct, right? No, yeah. But it was sometime before the fire, and uh, no, not before the fire. Well, when the fire was starting, but it hadn't. Well, you know, not before it hit. I think it was before. Before it hit, um, you know, but but I but what I remember when is you know after uh, I was talking to my son and actually it took me a while you know I was frantic you know. What the heck am I doing? What am I going to do with my family, with my children? And um, then I called you. Mm -hmm. And that's when you went to the session with Terry. I believe so. A couple hours after. Thank you for sharing. And I thought that was an amazing event. Um, You know, and I want to say... I want to say immediately on top of it, I'm so grateful to you and Terry and our sources, you know, making this, this happen for me and my family, the house was safe. That means so much to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a lot of reasons to be grateful, not only me, but all of us, to be grateful for you. Because when when almost nobody was figuring out what we were doing and supporting it, you were. And that was very important at that time. No. So in any case, thank you for sharing. Uh, Let me do another interesting little snippet. And at one point, Daphne and I were living in... Terry's house in Sedona. And, you know, Sedona is about driving distance to the Indian, the Navajo and the Hopi Indian Reservation. And our channelings were telling Daphne and I, that we should visit the Hopis. Now, the Hopis are considered the most spiritual of all the Native American tribes. And I didn't know much about them, but a lot of people, particularly in Sedona, sell their artwork and look up to them. And there is, in the Hopi legends, that there was a white man that came to visit them in the past, in the, you know, quite distant past. And... In the Mormon religion, if you read the Book of Mormon, it talks about Jesus going to North America and visiting the Indians, okay? And 
In the Hopi legends, it was indicated that a white man was going to return and have some significant role to play. And they kept telling Daphne and I that we should go and visit the Hopis. And so I think it's about 70 or 80 miles from here. So we went. And they actually had a Hopi motel or hotel, and we checked into it. And they never said this, but I had the feeling that they were thinking that if we showed up there, the Hopis would accept me as the white man that was supposed to return. Now, they never said that, but uh, I couldn't understand why they were sending me there. And so we were in the motel, and we did a channeling. And I was expecting the Elohim to come in and give some guidance. This was on March 25th, 2008. So it was really early on. And, you know, Daphne and I had split up and she had left when we were living in um, Los Angeles area. She was living at her aunt's house. And then she decided to come back and... I went and picked her up at her aunt's house. And we were driving across the country. And it was a very long drive because we had to keep stopping and staying in motels because she was getting all scattered driving. And, um, and then we ended up we ended up going to Flagstaff. And they said that it wouldn't be a good idea to take Daphne to um, to Los Angeles, that she couldn't handle the vibration in Los Angeles. And the Sedona-Flagstaff area would be better so we, we rented an apartment in Flagstaff. And again, uh, she couldn't handle it. And she left. But I believe when we were in that apartment in Flagstaff, we made this trip to the Hopi land. And when we were in the motel and we did a channeling, Instead of the Elohim coming through, the source identified itself as Kokapelli. 
Some of you may have seen pictures or drawings of a Native American, uh, how do I describe it? A guy playing a flute, but it wasn't a photograph. It was a, a, a drawing. And it's, it's used many, many times symbolically. Like there's a motel in, in Sedona or a hotel. There's a picture of that Native American. And it, was, it was a Native American god called Cocapelli. So when we were in this motel, the voice said it was Cocapelli. And this is like an 11-minute session of us talking to Cocapelli. And it's nothing like the Elohim. Um, Cocapelli is like musical, it's like talks fast. And I thought it was an interesting part of our history here. So here we go. And who is Copapelli? The Anasazi flute dancer. And is that a real The Anasazi flute. He is a spirit being. Exists right now in spirit, yes? Yes. He has a connection with the entity now speaking. He has a connection right now with the entity, or he has a general connection? She has had a connection since 1992. Would it be uh, advisable to let that entity speak? It could be done. Right now? Mm, if you desire. Well, we can open up to it. Coco Perry speaks. The wind. The sails of the wind. Through the harmonies, through the fingers, through the tones of the music wafting through the arroyos and the rocks and the canyons. These are haunting and mysterious and they call back, they call back eons of time to make people remember the origins in the sacred space of the connectedness of the human and the divine and the role, the intricate role that the earth plays and the delicate balance, the very fragile balance all that are in. It is a haunting cry, mysterious cry, one that is compelling one that has been lost and is coming back 
it is the flute chamber ricocheting through the canyons in the dark in a place of Bandelier, in a place of Moab, in a place of Canyonlands, in a place of the national parks. These are sacred sites. It is when she takes her flute and goes into the nature and plays and hears it echoing off the canyon wall. She speaks to the stones, and the stones they speak and reverberate back to her. It is her way of communing with the earth, and the earth knowing how to support her, being in the nature, being part of the mother, not separate from her, very integrated cellularly with her doing what she loved to do best, communion. Go to the kivas, go to the sweat lodge ceremonies, go to the sacred drumming circles, go to those things of the four directions. If you are invited to go to events in Sedona, it's safest to go to the shamanic Native American events. These are the most grounded. These are the ways in which you will least lose your footing. The others are slip, more slippery slopes. She knows this, for the earth speaks its wisdom to her. Her path is the earth energy path. Others are not to be her foundation. The earth is to be her foundation. She can help others through her own foundation to the earth. This is why she has been screaming about foundation and grounding. She knows that her healing and her ability to help others will come through her own grounding to the earth. Once she has established the grounding to the earth, then she can be of true service. Others cannot be her foundation. Her foundation is the mother. Then she can help others. This is Copa Belli's message to you. Thank you so much for coming forth. And please be invited to stay in our space anytime you choose and support the work we're doing. You are more than welcome. It would be good to get your Native American flute repaired. Did you have a physical incarnation? Not as you would understand it. Are you particularly related to the Hopi tribe? Yes, there is a strong connection. but other Native American tribes as well. We are of Anasazi ancestry, the cliff dwellers of northern New Mexico. Mm. 
Okay, we thank you. And um, maybe we can return to our Hopi um, emissary of the Ra group. You have returned. Do you have a name? Kopal. Kopal? Kopal. Kopal. Um, I think you answered our questions for the day. And uh, is there anything else that's important to share with us? There are many things which are important to share. Your question is broad in scope. Please narrow it. In terms of the work we are doing in the white man's world, is what would be the effective way of tying in the Hopi energy? Mm, you think of this incorrectly. It is not a tying in of the energy. It's an attunement. It is an understanding. It is an openness. It's a willingness to learn. White men are arrogant. White men are intellectual and want to understand everything with their minds. They have no regard for physical space, the sacredness of land. They have no regard for taking things and never returning them. They suffer from greed. They suffer from delusion. But their ways are crumbling now. Their empire is coming to an end. You must undo the training which you have inculcated as a white man and become every man. You must become a red man, a black man, a yellow man. Do you see? Mm-hmm. We bid you good evening. And thank you for being with us. And I think that's all. Then we bid you. Good night. Oi, ciao, ciao. It's all toy, yay! It's a toy. 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 Tai tai ai
ちょっと、たよどちょたよどとくちょちょ
and in, in, in a house on the property of a well-to-do person. And um, Jim didn't believe in any of the stuff that we were doing. And at that point, Daphne withdrew. And we didn't hear from her, at least in regards to being involved with our, our work ever since, actually. And then she and Jim moved into her mother's house in Cape Cod. And Daphne convinced her that that would be a positive thing to do and they'd save money. And then Jim, at the time, was drinking. And one time... He was drinking, and he got mad at Daphne's mother, and she threw him out. And he ended—he didn't have a car, and he ended up moving in to the couch of a guy that had a very nice house. But he didn't have cash flow, so he rented his rooms out to prostitutes and drug dealers. And Jim was having a horrible time. And Daphne called me and said, would you talk to Jim? He is threatening suicide. And I can't bring him back here. And... You know, I was a little bit not really, uh, how can I say it? From my point of view, Jim had pulled Daphne out of the loop. And she was no longer working with us. And I had never talked to him. And, and I didn't want to. But I felt that if he really did do himself in, that Daphne would have gotten a bunch of karma for it because she moved him from Florida to her mother's house. So she had a level of responsibility. And so I talked to him. And he was a, he's a very good piano player. And I told him, if he came to Sedona, there's a lot of places he could play music here, and everything is pretty close. So he could take a taxi and get gigs. And I told him I'd help him get settled. So he got to Sedona, and he got here late. Actually, I think I went and picked him up from Phoenix and took him back here. And um, I have this little RV, and I told him he could stay in the RV, but he'll have to find a place to stay after that. And in the middle of the night, he was banging at the door saying, I've got claustrophobia, I 
can't stand it in there. So we put it put him in the spare bedroom and um, the next day he was fawning over Terry. He was saying, Can I make you dinner? He was a chef. Can I wash your clothes? And Terry was kind of liking it. And uh, and a couple weeks went by, and he's not doing anything. He's not looking for gigs. He's just hanging around the house. I think he's probably getting drunk. And I said to myself, what have we gotten ourselves into? And he's a smart guy. He's a PhD, and he's done some pretty amazing accomplishments in his life. He had a restaurant in northern New York State, and he did crossword puzzles for the New York Times. And he used to go on cruise ships and play music. So, at the time, we were starting the pendant business. I think it must have been 2011, 2012. And I said, Jim, why don't you help help us get some new stores? And you'll make a percentage and have something to do. And then he, you know, can contribute to, to us as well. So, he agreed but he wasn't too good at it. And I used to try to say, Jim, you know, you're doing it wrong. Um, and he wouldn't listen to me. He said, I'm a PhD. What do you know? And so after a while, I told him to just call people and send them a free sample and then call them back. And that worked. She started getting some stores. And all of this time, he was still fawning over Terry. He was still coming in, telling her jokes every day, uh, making her dinner. And, And then sometime in that period... I decided I, want, I was going to research St. Catherine because up to that point, I knew they said Terry was St. Catherine and I knew Terry looked like St. Catherine, but I never studied St. Catherine. And I wondered if I was one of the priests in that period of time. And I wanted to see if I looked like anybody. So when I started studying St. Catherine, I found the story of a guy by the name of Raymond who worked for the official Catholic Church. And he was kind of in their legal department. And they sent Raymond to Siena, Italy, to kind of 
take Catherine's inventory and try to affirm that she wasn't the monarch because she was getting a big reputation at this point. So Raymond went and he really endeared himself to Catherine. And he traveled with her and became her companion. And um, at one point there was a plague, the plague, and Catherine would sit by Raymond's bed and pray for him. And he got better. And then Catherine was traveling with Raymond and going around. I don't know if they were traveling out of Siena, Italy, but um, they, she was she had got quite a following, and um, and Raymond was with her, and eventually Catherine stopped eating and became anorexic, and uh, Terry started to rem- get flashbacks of her and Jim, and that she was surviving with, uh, what do Catholics call it, communion, you know, where they have wine and bread. And what is it? Communion. She's listening to me in the background. And Jim was getting drunk, and Catherine was eating a little bit. And, um, And when she died, Raymond wrote her biography. And then he became sainted for doing that. And the amazing thing was that Raymond had a striking resemblance to Jim. And it was kind of mind-blowing because I knew they had to be the same soul. And, of course, this lifetime, Jim didn't believe in anything spiritual. But he had the soul-level memory of this affinity with Terry and wanted to nurture her in any way that he could. And he's finally moved on and he's living in a little desert town about 80 miles from Phoenix. But he still has that connection with Terry. And he calls up, how's Terry doing? And uh, he still is servicing some of the accounts that he got for us a few years ago. And he loves calling Terry and say, I've got some money for you. I've got an order. And to me, it is so crazy the way the universe works 
to put these kinds of circumstances together where Jim had run off with Daphne, ends up in our house, and had a big connection with Terry. And um, now why am I telling that story? Oh, I was going to play somewhere, I think I was going to play this message that came through Daphne that was on a live channeling that happened on September 2nd, 2009. Now, maybe I'm referring to some current events that were in that period, and uh, I didn't scan this whole thing, but I just thought it was a good session. So here we go. Okay, this is September 2nd, 2009. Daphne and Sitka win in Sedona. And um, we're bringing the light again and the connection. And do we have a source that would like to communicate with us?
whereby they will be made ready to help transition those 45,000 other souls who are preparing to go into the waiting or holding pattern energetically. This is not so much a physical recalibration. Much of this has already been accomplished through genetic DNA light filament encoding that have awakened and are now operating on the blood and cellular level within the bodies of the said individual. Of the 45,000, 17,000 are already physically and mentally and somewhat psychologically prepared. It is as if you are in an airplane and never have parachuted out of the airplane. You have a certain fear, a certain anxiety, a certain foreboding but you are with a guide, a master who has done this hundreds of times before and is strapped to you and you have cord, an emergency cord and a third cord. There are two fail-safe systems in place. We want to make sure this does not backfire. That is why it is taking longer than we had <coughs> anticipated. In terms of political affronts, pay attention to them, be aware of them, but do not get plugged into the fear dynamics of them. You need to be aware for the following reasons. One, you need to stay safe in your physical environment. Two, you need to bring prayers and light to those situations and circumstances which are presently negatively affected. Three, you need to make aware to those light workers and loved ones living in the danger zone that they are and give them the energy and courage to make changes or help to compel them to make changes. This is the reason we would have you pay some attention. You will be switching frequency bands. Now we have to talk here for more personal questions. You have on your mind two questions you shall like to ask. Could we know what these are? Uh, okay. I'm going to let this be part of 
the um, channeling that I might will release to people, and I'll ask this question because it's come up. And when we do our conference calls on the phone, I start the calls and create a blending of energies of all those present and an invitation to the higher sources to blend with us to create a group energy which sometimes we bring in for personal healing and upliftment and sometimes we direct with our intentions on Sundays for planetary healing. And some people have brought up the question that when we blend energies in that way, are we not picking up all the negativity and the garbage of other people? And maybe we shouldn't do that. Could you make a comment on that, please? Thus, the 
question of is there negativity? Are there personal pollutants? This should be severely, severely mitigated. If done correctly, no, it is it is clear. It is a clear channel. You have created a clear channel. You are not working on the level of psychology or emotional clutter or even karma because you have come together as a group for group purpose and group service. Does this answer your question? Yes. Well, that's that's about how I looked at it and how I felt about it, but some people said that I think I feel that some for some people when we do this, in spite of all their cautions, the, the cautions, they can open up to to distortions, which are their distortions that other people have. So it exacerbates the, it for a moment. Um, in that call, but I think the coming together of the energies is is rather important. Maybe the most important thing we do to create, because the it's the group energy that creates the group intent, that creates the connection with other higher realms. So I think that that just clarifies it. And if we use the word braid instead of blend, or intertwine or find some other word perhaps than blend that maybe doesn't provoke a negative response in people. I do believe when Jesus said, would two or more gathered in my name, I am also present. I believe this is the experience he was referring to. Um, am I correct in that? You are essentially correct, and at the same time, the Christ did acknowledge that each soul is sovereign, which is why we slightly object to the use of the word blend. Each soul is sovereign unto itself. Yes. Each soul is, even in a group intention soul remains sovereign to itself. Okay. Now, this this information you're bringing forth in this transmission, is this something that I should make available to our entire Message a Day group? This is indeed suitable for group. Yes. Okay. All right. And I think that is um, the questions up to this point that I would put in a public way. And let me turn the tape recorder off. We have one more question. Okay. I think... That is the end of that session. And you notice there's a difference. 
in the way information comes through Daphne than through Terry. They used to call Daphne a cosmic library and like she is expanded into the lower densities of the higher densities as well as the higher density. And um, so at various times when Daphne was channeling, there would be a intelligence from the lower densities that would speak through her. Now, when I say lower, they're higher, far higher than we are. And let me see, we spoke to Mother Mary, we spoke to um, Solar Logos, A couple of times we spoke to the planet Jupiter, and I was getting the idea that the entire universe was intelligent, and that different aspects of the universe would speak through Daphne. And this happens not so often through Terry. Um, although we have spoken, obviously, to the Ra group, which is in a very high space compared to us but a lower space compared to the Elohim. And one of the aspects that I had to figure out is why was Daphne getting negatively attacked terribly whenever she was with me, and even when she was channeling. And it's because she was open to the higher realms, but she still had residues from her past karma, from her past experiences of the lower realms. And, of course, in the lower realms, we have many positively disposed beings, but there's also the most negative beings, which 
was referred to as the Orion Group. And although I don't think she ever channeled the Orion Group, and I never tried, they had access to her and didn't want her to do this stuff. And they made it in her life a nightmare by the negative attacks that would happen while she was sleeping. And um, it's why she withdrew and became scared of channeling. Are you still there, Ben? You got rid of the echo, but I think you turned yourself off. Hello? Yes, we hear you. Okay. What happened was um, I knew Terry had to have been St. Catherine. I knew it from the pictures. But I never did a serious session on the Terry-St. Catherine connection. And eventually I did, probably, you know, a number of years after I knew of the connection. And so... I'm going to play the session we did where they talked about that. And here we go. We greet you in the love light of the one infinite creator. We are delighted to be with you in the earth plane and make connections as you are ready for connection or wish connection to be made with you. We have a very high frequency which it may be hard to isolate out as it is so much higher than the general frequency of the earth plane. We are in a higher band of frequencies. And we are available for you to ask for assistance. We generally give assistance when asked, although sometimes we give assistance based upon consensus reality. Do you have questions? Yes. Uh, you know, I want to make a comment about assistance. You know, I've had two emails this week, and I had one personal experience. 
few people commented how they put a relationship in the light and something shifted in the relationship. For example, uh, um, my sister. You know, my sister and her husband come on the calls occasionally and she's still in a lot of pain. She's not like hopping around, jumping around. And she was in a lot tremendous pain a few days ago. And I told Larry, I said, why don't we just start calling you in the light and the three of us. And we did. And when we did that, we started putting her son in the light who was going through a bunch of his own stuff, difficult stuff. And I hadn't talked to him, really talked to him for a few years. Even though I like him, I kind of intimidate him. And so, suddenly, two days ago, he called me. We had the best conversation we've had in years. And really connected. And I could see the process. that once we put it into the light, it sent a silent signal through the ethers that he picked up. And he didn't know what it was. It just felt good. There was someone else that had that same experience with their father who we talked about it. Someone else who had that same experience with their daughter, I believe. So you can start to get the feel of how this works and how to utilize these connections to change your vibratory um, field with people around you. And, of course, we always do this for the highest good of all concerned and honoring free will. And the theory is if we got enough people doing this, we would shift the entire planet. But even if we don't shift the entire planet, each of you has the opportunity to shift your own space, your own relationships. And if you do that, that will be a miracle unto itself. So I just thought we'd turn it over and maybe they can comment on how that looks from their side. Thank you. When you have an uh, individual or group of individuals that are at odds with consensus reality, with the service to other concepts or paradigms, and are using service to self paradigms, they can be overridden by the pure mechanics of how things work when the consensus reality is in favor of the service to other concepts, in favor of the good of humanity, in favor of the individual person working in service to other way to support his or her family to bring the good into the life, to bring growth into the life of the people they 
universe and as such remains in the highest state in an undistorted state that can give and take information and impart it. We are always on the lookout for someone that we can connect with that wishes and can bring through pertinent information. It takes someone that will not use the data for detrimental purposes or twist the data to give a wrong impression. It takes an individual that is able to demanifest and get out of the way enough that the information can come through clearly. There is, and St. Catherine is, was in that posture because of their intention to bring through the higher information from the higher sources, which is the Elohim and the Law Group. They both work, work to bring through pertinent data to help individuals to open their heart to decrease the ego, to connect with home so the individuals know that they are not alone and they know that there is hope, there is a way back, there is a family of which they are a part. Thank you. You know, there's got to be another added circumstance to that decision because um, we know that there was the life of St. Catherine and, of course, the life of Terry, but there were a lot of lifetimes in between where um, Terry was denied, she had bad relationships, things were screwy. So there must be the added factor that a person not only has the connection, but they've created a uh, connections in this realm that would allow the communications to come through safely. Am I correct there? In the case of Siri, give us a moment. She has worked long and hard to be able to discern accurately what is around her and observe what is around her without regard to any ego circumstances. 
it is worked long and hard in this lifetime to dispel any influences that would intercede in the connection. Give us a moment. The individual has to be inclined to do it. And in other lifetimes, they did not encounter situations which would foster such connection. Although the connection was there, they did not foster the connection of developing it to move into a communicative relationship with us that would uh, allow us to come through or did not have a circumstance available in that lifetime, a platform to allow it to come through. (laughs) So essentially what is needed is a grounding and a platform to allow theory to be open to bring forth the information and an inclination and an exposure on her part, a connection made to bring through the higher sources us. As St. Catherine, there was the connection with the monastery. There was the incessant seeking of Terry St. Catherine to bring through the information to make the connection available from the very highest sources so that it could benefit and help Terry grow, not only help Terry grow, but to help the monastery individuals grow, to help the Catholic Church grow, to place more and more people in a posture that they would be able to connect with the higher sources and begin to allow the heavenly we would search for a word here the heavenly manifestation to enter into the earthly realm now was there a decision made before Terry incarnated that this would occur or was it a, a, um, something of happenstance where the right people were at that church, and she happened to show up and open the energies up. Was it a pre-birth agreement, or was it a situation of happenstance? There was an agreement that Terry made before she entered into the third density to bring through information and to stay pure. That's 
why St. Catherine did not wish to have sex and did not wish to enter into so much of the earthly uh, sensations and the payoffs of sensations for fear that she would pollute the connection with home, with the higher sources, with the highest on high, and then would not be able to purely bring through information. That is why she declined sex and did not wish to marry except to marry and to have even the slight manifestation of the wedding ring of bonding with God and higher sources so that she would remain pure to bring through only the purest of the information that could lead men home. And she viewed the church at the time and saw certain things that were going in uh, her, her heretical direction and she sought to correct them. Thank you. So is it kind of experimental when a, when a soul of the nature of Terry comes into this realm that uh, there's the possibility for this any life, but they don't know until they're in the life and the circumstances present themselves that that happens, and that maybe they go through a lot of difficult lifetimes, really difficult ones, until one happens to have the right circumstances that allow these kinds of messages to come through. Is that, is that the way it works? The intention is always there, and the intention is always pure. And when the portal opens, the codes agree, the... the um, Sectors come into alignment to allow this kind of a life to take its fruit, to bear its fruit, then is when you get this connection where the individual is pure with intention and to bring through the essence of the higher sources without adding anything from the birth realm, any pollution, any distortion from the lower realms to bring through the essential being of spirit purely without any misidentification um, uh, 
looks like they are causing a problem. And this is one of the ways that individuals can start out to uh, looking good in their channeling and then uh, not know how to fully handle everything. And so they look like they have gone off uh, on a tangent. So that is one of the things that can happen. Uh, another thing is that the individual can have on um, uh, handled uh, deviations or uh, distortions which they don't believe in their mind um, we say it another way in their mind they have certain distortions which they totally believe and cannot conceive of another way of looking at it or a higher way of looking at it and they totally believe within their mind certain principles so that when they are given data, they um, discount it in favor of their own beliefs and bring through what could be in some instances good data. However, it is not the data that um, we had imparted. Thank you. She has worked through this, so she has observed um, this at the beginning of her channeling, observed this to some degree within herself and has let it go. Thank you. Um, I better not ask any more questions because um, I have to turn it back to BBS. Uh, I did want to ask. Well, no, I'm not going to ask it because we're going too long. Thank you so much for coming forth and bringing those clarifications in. And um, we have time for a very quick goodbye from you, and then we'll adjourn this session. Thank you. <laughs> this is one day which we wish we had more time, as we enjoy totally talking with you and making connection with each and every person on the line. And we send our love, light, and energetic hugs and kisses to each and every individual who wishes and is open to it. Adenoi. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for being here. Thank you all who are listening. And uh, we'll be on Wednesday where you can submit your questions to questions at messageaday.net and we'll ask them on your behalf. This is Lynn Free, Carrie Brown. Okay. And
Good night. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Thank you, Linda Terry. Good night. Good night. I love you. Good night. Okay, this is when um, back live. Can you hear me? Yes, Vin. Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Now, as you all know, we do a healing list on Sundays. And our normal routine is Sija will read the submission and Terry will make a brief channeling to that person and connection and support. Now, Terry's not going to do that today, but our sources are still here and are still monitoring your requests. So don't think it's any less powerful. And I wanted to ask a question. We don't have a lot of time, okay? We've got about 12 minutes. But I just want to ask a question really fast to get a feeling for something. And that is... Let me see here. All participants are unmuted. Everybody's muted. Everybody's muted. I just was just going to unmute everybody. Now, somebody has BBS on in the background, I think. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. I just wanted to ask you, which of those little things that I played did you find the most important to you? Was it the session I just played on the last one? Terry's channeling. Yes, Terry's channeling is amazing. It is um, informative, simple to understand, grounded, and I can feel the energy, and it feels um, like it's coming from a real source. A higher mm-hmm. Yes. Something that really resonated with me was when Daphne at the end on the Hokies and Cookie Pelly did the Tita Ta George. That was something. And anyone else want to make a comment on that question? Hello, Gwen. This is Nancy Young. Oh, hi, Nancy. Hello. 
Yes, thank you. I really um, thank you for putting that compilation of those sessions together. And when Pocapelli spoke through, and you were talking about, um, I think you phrased something a certain way, how the white man can be to do something. And the unlearning that Pocapelli spoke of, the coming back to the source and um, all the, um, to become all men, I thought was really, there was something very profound in that. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for Nancy, it's every Sunday we do something like this. So, uh, you know, we have 10 conference calls a week, you know, and, uh, and if you're listening on BBS radio, the schedule for all our conference calls is on our website, thespiritchannel.net. Plus, 2,000 sessions that are archived there. And none of our sessions are the same. We approach things in so many different ways. And there, there's information on there that has helped many people unlock the mystery of their own souls. So it's free. And just you're invited. And thank you for sharing, Nancy. I noticed you were on the line. I'm so glad you are. And um, anyone else want to say anything about those sessions? This no. is Shirley, and hello? Yeah, Shirley, you're supposed to be shy. What are you doing talking? Oh, Cocapelli resonated with me and um, just gave me some affirmations from some of my experiences, and and I really, uh, I really loved um, Terry's channeling too. It was yes, it's it's simple and easy to understand, and it just feels like such a true source. You know, and mm-hmm. yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for playing all of them. I appreciated them all. Well, you're welcome. I thought I'd do that instead of just picking one and doing a replay. And Terry's in the back here. Terry, mm-hmm. are you listening? Yeah. Yeah. Which was your favorite? <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> okay. You want to say something before we go into the, um, the, no. Okay, she did say something. She said, no. Okay. And, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Fiji. And we don't have a really big list today, but we will do it. Mm, go Fiji. All participants are muted, and they can unmute themselves. Would you like to call in the light of protection? You want me to do it? If you if you want to. Okay. <clears throat> Father, Mother, God, we ask for the presence of the light. 
to surround and protect each person on this call, on the replays, then listening on BBS radio. We see ourselves in the flow of energy radiating from the center of the universe through the galaxies, through the Milky Way, through the solar system, through the outer energy fields of planet Earth, through our bodies, and into the center of the Earth. And right now, we invoke a group energy connection while maintaining the sovereign integrity of our souls. And we invite those sources that are positive, service to others, honoring the law of one to join with us. And we create a protected space that only the positive has access to. Anything not of that nature must leave now. And we're going to go into our healing list with Sija. And um, we're probably going to disconnect from BBS in a few minutes. So we may go over and disappear. If you're on BBS and this call has endeared you in some way, engaged you in some way, and you got something out of it, please go to the spiritchannel.net and you'll find a archive of about 2,000 of our calls, plus you will find the phone numbers on the home page of all the current things we are doing. And what's happened is we do so many of these, we've created a community and energy, and there's nothing to believe in, and it's just everyone makes their own path. And thank you for listening. And I turn it over to Sita. Thank you. I thank our sources for the protection of each and every person on this healing list, a subject of the healing list, listening to this call, listening to the replay, or reading a transcript. John from Las Vegas, please put decentralized cryptocurrencies into the love light for massive worldwide adoption, for privacy, and for them to be used as a monetary system that is free from capital gains tax and free from surveillance. Please help decentralized cryptocurrencies to become more accessible and easier for people to use and understand. Thank you. I just want to add, for the highest good of all concerned, we don't ask for changes, and we don't always know what's for the highest good. So I add that as a postscript to John's request. <clears throat> and uh, back to you, Zika. Thank you. Sija from England. 
thank you to all of our beautiful friends in the higher realms for co-creating with us and helping us to manifest a magnificent new reality. Thank you for Terry's protection and perfect healing, restoring her body, mind and spirit complex to perfect health in all timelines, densities and dimensions. Thank you. Um, I will second that. In fact, I will first that because I was going to put that in your life. And I just want to see Terry getting better. And uh, and I can feel energy and shifts going on with her. And you see, giving her, seeing her loving, beautiful self. You turned the high functionality. And um, back to you, Zita. Thank you. And Sita from England. Thank you to our beautiful sources for putting Bob into the love light, for his perfect healing, and for the superb medical advice and treatment that he is receiving. Thank you. And Tom... From San Jose, California. Um, healing for one longtime neighbor and friend who lives in Los Gatos, California. He is in hospital with a stroke. He seems to be unable to move or speak. He is. He is fed with a tube. Seems the hospital is waiting for the swelling of his brain to go down. And his name is Don Bryant. Thank you. And we just ask our sources, it's in the highest good to work with that gentleman and see if we can come out of this. And are you sure that wasn't from last week? No, that is from today. Then we can hear you, but you're far away from your mic. Okay, hang on. I think we're off of BBS now, okay? And um, we are, is that the last one? Is that the last thing, Cedia? Yes, that is the last yeah. one. Okay. Thank you to I our sources. Thank you to Wynn. Thank you to Terry. Thank you to Hyde. And thank you to everyone on the call. Much love to you all. Thank you, and thank you, Sita, for doing that. And God bless. We, we will see you next week or in one of our other calls. 
Remember, spiritchannel.net, and there's more where this came from. And, hi, sir, are you going to play music today? Yes, I'm going to play a few songs. Okay. Let me just unmute everybody so people can say goodbye. Uh, thank you, Will. Thank you, Terry. I thank our sources. I thank Daphne. All participants are unmuted. I thank everyone here. With love. Thank you from Seattle. Thank you from Seattle. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Cecil. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Fun trip back. Have a good one. Bless everyone. Deep appreciation and gratitude. Much love. Thank you. Nancy from Tanachi. Love to you, Nancy. Thank you for being Much here. Love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Much love. This line is now on hold. Bye.